Let's go ahead and grab our Bibles. Go to Romans chapter 8 tonight. I'm excited about getting into the book of Romans with you. I got way more prepared than I'm going to make it to tonight. I know that much, but um, so I'll just I'll try to be fair to you as far as the time is concerned and cut it off. But uh, I would say, in my opinion, Romans chapter 8, if you're looking at for a, a particular chapter in the Bible to help you in getting the victory over sin, in living the Christian life, a victorious Christian life. Now, when I say the victory over sin, I'm not talking about being miserable, right? I'm not talking about focusing so much on the sin that it's this constant struggle. I'm talking about living in victory. I'm talking about getting some things under control and walking with God and enjoying your Christian life. I want to be a happy Christian, don't you? I want to enjoy my Christian life. And if you really want that, if that's what you want, Romans chapter 8 is probably one of the best chapters in the Bible for it. So I hope and pray that as we go through this, you'll get some stuff out of it that'll help you. It's probably going to take us a little while to get through the whole chapter because I really don't want to rush, okay? So I will try to make headway so that you're not feeling like, oh, great, we're going to be in Romans 8 the rest of our lives. I won't do that to you. But I do want to give you this chapter with the Lord's help as fully as I can. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for answering prayer. Just sitting there talking to Brother Dave this afternoon, Lord, and thinking back on over the years how much prayers you've answered in this church, Lord. I remember when Johnny fell. He shouldn't be alive, gone. It's not the medical doctors that, that got him through. He was, he was beyond help. They did what they could. We're thankful for the miracles that they can do. It's amazing what they can do. Without them, back in the day, we realized that he wouldn't have survived. But even today, with all they can do, he shouldn't have survived. And you answered prayer. God, you, you raised him up. He's back walking and talking and driving, and it's just a miracle. Lord, what you've done for Brother Paul... And the hell way you've helped him and healed him up and given him help through his problems and what you're doing for Ramona and what you're doing for Charlene. God, we just love you and we thank you for answering prayer. I thank you, Lord, that you allow me to pastor people that pray. I really believe these folks actually pray. And I thank you for that. Help us, God, to be better prayer warriors. Help us to love one another more. Help us to love you more. Bless us as we dive into this passage of Scripture, God, please, and speak to our hearts. And we ask you to help us, God, to get out of this thing what we need. God, please, I'm begging you, feed your people tonight. Enable me to do something, God, I can't do. And that is really be a genuine spiritual blessing to them. I can't do it without you. If without you, we can do nothing. So please help them. I pray that, I pray that this whole thing would be alive and Lord, we leave here with rejoicing and joy in our heart and some spiritual food for our souls. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, now verse number one. Let me show you how this is read. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So here's how they read it. They read it that if you walk after the Spirit, you won't go to hell. But if you walk after the flesh, there's condemnation. In other words, you get saved by faith in Jesus Christ as some would teach and you keep it by works. And if you backslide on God, look, there's condemnation. See it? Now let me confuse you a little more. Go back to John chapter uh, 3. John chapter 3. 
this would be the cross-reference. I give you, when I come across these passages, and we're going to do quite a bit of this as we continue through Romans 8, 9, and 10, I'm going to show you proof texts for why other people preach doctrine different than what we preach. And then I'm going to show you how to study your Bible to know your doctrine's right. Look at John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, see that? But that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not what? That's damnation, isn't it? There's no doubt about it. In context, that's talking about your eternal soul. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. Have you believed on Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? So you're not going to hell, period. But he that believeth not, if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're already as good as in hell. You understand that? If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and you die, if you pull out here and get T-boned by, by another car out here or some drunks driving down the road or some stinking potheads driving down the road and you know, chewing out, man, and comes across the lane and head-ons you, and you die or some goofy... I better back off because we all do it answers a text message while they're driving because it can't wait 20 minutes till you get home. Because it's so important. I'm sick of it. Heading down there to the hospital this week, driving next to a guy 60-something years old. He didn't even look up one time and he passed me. I got over because he was coming up on me so fast and I was already moderately breaking the law. Just a little, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And he come whipping by me and I got over and he never even looked up. He's reading. What are you going to do if somebody like that hits you and you aren't saved? If you haven't believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are as good as in hell. You understand that? You're sitting there, you're sitting there smoldering. You're about, you're about to light up. That's a scary thought. This is the word condemn. That's a scary thought, ain't it? It's talking about his eternal soul. He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. God is lightening him as no darkness is all. Nobody, we're without excuse. He shows it by the heavens that declare the glory of God and the firmament that showeth his handiwork. He put it in your conscience. He put it in creation. You know. God's given every man light. And men love, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know what that's saying? That's saying you're condemned and on your way to hell because you're a sinner. Period. Now, if you look at that verse, it's pretty obvious that condemnation is eternity in the lake of fire. So if you look at Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them there in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. What does that mean for a Christian that doesn't walk after the Spirit if you only define condemnation by one other verse? That means if you don't walk after the Spirit, if you only define the word condemnation by one other verse, that you're going to lose your salvation. So you better be careful when you study your Bible not to jump to conclusions. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 22. I'm going to show you the first time the word condemn shows up in the Bible. Exodus chapter 22. What I'm showing you here is a trick of the trade. All right? 
that what they'll do with the Bible is they'll, they'll come in here and they'll say, you see, you've got to be baptized. But they won't necessarily define that word for you and run the references to show you the different definitions for the word. So it's a pretty dangerous thing. A man can take the Bible and deceive you into, into selling your house and selling your property, taking all the equity you have in your home, all the savings you got in your bank, cashing out your retirement and bring it into the church and lay it down at the apostles' feet. I can take the Bible and show you that in the Bible. And you know, what, you know what breaks my heart? It literally breaks my heart. People fall for that stuff. That's a perversion and a twist of the scriptures. It's in the book of Acts. But nowhere did the Bible command that. Nowhere did the apostles command that. There was something they did for a season and they stopped. And they did it voluntarily. It was never commanded or preached to them to do it. People voluntarily did it. You know, it's a manipulation of the Bible to say, look at this. It's what you need to do. And what's wrong with the preacher? Why doesn't the, the people on staff sell their houses and come in and lay it down at the apostles' feet? Exodus 22, look at verse 9. So when you study your Bible, you've got to let God be true and every man a liar, and you've got to run the references to make sure you're looking at it right. For all manner of trespass, whether it be ox, or for, for ass, for sheep, for raiment, or for any manner of lost thing, which another challengeth to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges." And whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. Now, right there, that's not talking about him losing his salvation. So what does the word condemn mean? It means to pronounce to be utterly wrong, to blame, to determine or judge to be, to be wrong or guilty. Well, in context, if the Lord uses the word condemn... In context of John 3.16, you know that in that context, he's saying, as far as your salvation is concerned, if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are condemned already. You are utterly wrong. Your sin is still on your account. You've never been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you die with all that guilt on you, never having been born again, you're on your way to hell. But if you go to Exodus chapter 22 and you look at the word condemn, he says, you're wrong and you're right. Pay him. Doesn't always have to do with eternal salvation. So now go back to Romans chapter 8, keeping that in mind, and look at what he's saying. He says, there is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Are you in Christ Jesus? Okay, so according to the last chapter, he says... I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I find that I always struggle in the flesh. And he went back and forth on this struggle that he has, saying, I'm saved and I got the Lord in my heart, but I'm still stuck in my flesh and I'm struggling. How am I going to live right? I struggle to live right. I'm constantly frustrated with my flesh. In me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. I find this law working inside of me. It's always working against what I do. And so then if I do that which I would not, I realize it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So in the context leading up to Romans chapter 8, he's not talking about whether or not you're losing your salvation. He's saying, listen, you ought to be living a certain life. You ought to live like you're a Christian. But you have a problem as a saved person. You're not perfect. 
So all this stupid argument, I, well, I went to church before, and all those hypocrites in the church, and they say they're Christians, but they don't live like it. And, well, I mean, cut them a break. They're human beings that are saved, thank God for that, but they're still struggling. It takes people time to grow. I'm so sick of judgmental people coming in and getting mad at judgmental people. Hello? I mean, think about that for a second. I went to church, and I just sat right behind this young couple, and they just sat there and talked the whole time. Oh, so you're judging the whole church based on some stupid idiot that was sitting in front of you and wouldn't stop talking. How do you know they didn't just get saved? How do you know they're not members, first-time visitors here? You know what we had one time? We had a guy come in, never been here before. He walks in, sits down in church. He's sitting right about where Gregor is. He gets up, he walks out in the middle of the service. I saw him in the parking lot. Well, he's pretty addicted to those cigarettes because he had to go out for a smoke break in the middle of church. He came back in and sat down. He wasn't smoking cigarettes. He burned a joint out in the parking lot and exhaled in the building. It filled this entire room. We happened to have a first-time visitor sitting right behind him who was highly allergic to it and was trying not to vomit in church. The Lord had been working on her and her husband to come here for years. They were finally visiting and like, this is where God wants us. And the devil tried so hard to knock the slack. Now, thank God they had the maturity to come back and give it another try and then found out like that was a visitor and that wasn't okay good. Like, what kind of church is this? You see how the devil works? People come in and I'm just saying, I'm just not going back there. Those people are like, well, hang on a second. People take time to grow. We're all struggling how do we get there? You realize as a saved person, you can get condemnation without going to hell? Condemnation is for God to say, you're wrong. I'm judging this situation and you're not living right. Actually, that judgment can go so far. This, for this cause, many are weak, sickly, and sleep. Now, wait a minute. We got a lot of sick people in this church. Uh, to be honest with you, from what I know of them, I don't think God's judging them. That's in my opinion. That's between them and God. I would never sit there and say, oh, you have this because. That would be foolish, Job's counselors. Actually, Job got sick, and it looked to everybody like it was the judgment of God because he got leprosy, which was God's judgment on sin in the Old Testament. And leprosy is a type of sin. So those guys could sit there and quote all this Bible at Job and look at Job and this is why this is happening. And the reason it was happening is because God said, have you seen my servant Job? There's none like him. And I want to take this man to the next level. We're going to come to it in Romans 8. We will not make it to it tonight. But I'm going to show you in Romans 8, suffering is part of actually God's blessing in your life to take you to the next level between you and him and to give you some rewards on the other side. It matures you and grows you like nothing else. So how do you know that person's not suffering because God loves them and sees something in them and wants to take them to the next level? I have found in my experience, my problems and the problems I've seen come on people I love, God never uses those to hurt them. God doesn't give them more than they can handle and God makes them better because of it. So you got to slow down in your judgment. This is what I will say. If you're backslidden and walking after the flesh, not walking after the spirit, God's been working on you and you get weak. God's been working on you and you get sickly. You better listen. 
because the final judgment, God will give a saved person to get their attention, is all right, fine, give them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of Christ Jesus, which means Christians can wind up dead. Christians, saved people that aren't going to hell under the judgment of God. That's a scary thought, isn't it? To be honest with you, from what I know of the Lord, you got to push him pretty far. I don't believe I'm serving a God that's sitting in heaven waiting to knock me upside the head. I really don't believe that. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I haven't coughed all day, and now here I get up here and it's going to start, right? I believe God's patient. <clears throat> He's been patient with me. I believe God's merciful. He's been merciful with me. I believe he's gentle. He's been gentle with me. But I also have suffered the other side of it. So the condemnation, he's talking about something that ought to scare you, but it ain't something that ought to worry you about your salvation. Why? Because he promised that there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? So you're not condemned. Not in context of eternal damnation. You might be condemned, that is, to be told you're utterly wrong in relation to your walk. Saved people can walk wrong. Look at the next verse. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now there's multiple laws in your Bible that you ought to listen to. A law is something, it's a rule that's established and can permanent. Go back to Proverbs chapter 31. Let me show you a law every one of us ought to be aware of. Proverbs chapter 31. This is one the Lord's been working on my heart about a lot. A lot. I was so bad about this years ago. My mom said, you know what? You need to go memorize 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's this chapter on charity. And she said it with such disdain. It cut deep. It was actually a good thing, by the way. I had, If anything, my mom erred on the side of being too sweet, always thinking the best of her kids and all that. So she wasn't being mean to me. But she was so right. And I had just said something that was so nasty and cutting and mean and just horrible with my mouth. Just terrible. Terrible. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? You should memorize 1 Corinthians 13. And it was like, oh, how could you, Mama Mia? I'm the only baby boy. You know, she's Italian. You know what I'm saying? And I, you know what I did? I, I was like, you know, she's right. I went and memorized 1 Corinthians 13. I probably could still quote it right now. I went and memorized it. Lord's working on me more and more about it as I get older. I don't want to be mean with my mouth. I don't believe sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I do believe the deepest wounds can be made with the tongue. That's why women get, get beef with each other, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. You know what men will do? I guarantee if we take him out back afterwards and kind of tune him up real good, he'll respect all of us. Yeah. We'll be over it before long. You know what I'm saying? We'll just kind of move on now. Yes, Why? Because the deepest wounds are made with the tongue. And you know what you're told to do with your tongue? You're told to edify one another. I want to be a blessing to you. I want to encourage you. I want to help you. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 31, look at verse 26 talking about a virtuous woman here and since we're all the bride of Christ gentlemen don't try to get out of it she openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness I wonder how much that would help us with our marriages 
I wonder how much the law of kindness would help us in our church. I wonder how much the law of kindness might help you with that person at work that wants to torment you. I wonder how much the law of kindness would help us as parents. That doesn't mean you never criticize. Because a good friend will tell you the truth. I, I like good friends. What I like about my good friends is that they can tell me the truth about me without hating me and looking down their nose at me and tearing me up. They're going to say, you really want to know? Like, yeah, man, you know I want to know. I, you can take it. I can, I can take it. You know I can take it. All right, well, I'll tell you. And it might hurt a little bit, but he's not being mean. See what I'm saying? They're trying to help me. I promise you this much, folks. I am doing everything in my power when I get up here to preach to never try to be mean. Or if somebody asks me for some you know, help personally or whatever, I try never to be mean. Even if I'm telling you the truth about you, I'm not doing it because I hate you. And I don't disrespect you. I'm not looking down my nose at you. You're a struggling human being, born again with the Spirit of God inside of you, living in sinful flesh, with the world, the flesh, and the devil constantly pulling at you. You know what you need? You need help. You know what I need? I need help. That's what we need. We need somebody to care about us. The law of kindness. That's not the only law. Go to Romans chapter 8. We'll see some more. Romans 8. There's a, there's a couple of them right here. In verse number 2, there's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, verse 2, uh, there's the law of sin and death. So let me ask you a question. A law is a rule that's permanent. It's established, right? When you got saved, you were born of the spirit, right? You know what you got? You got the spirit of what? Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's a law. That means you're not dying and going to hell. The moment you got saved, you got life. Listen to me. If you're not saved tonight, you have really never lived yet. According to this Bible, your body is alive, but your spirit is dead and trespasses and sins. All you've experienced, all you've experienced is existence. And in that existence, you've had some pleasurable moments and you've had some heartbreaking moments. You've had some good days. You've had some bad days. You've had some joy or happiness. Not, not really joy, actually. You've had some maybe happiness and you've had a lot of misery. That's, that's you without Jesus Christ. You're dead in trespasses and sins. What you need to be is born again. You need the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You have not begun to live until you know what it means to be born again. To have God as your personal Savior. To be a child of God, you haven't even begun to live yet. You just, you've just existed. And that's a sad thing. Man, you got the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus if you're saved. You know what else you have? There's a law of sin and death. Every man, every woman, every child, we've already gone through it as we're going through Romans. You've all broken the law. And what comes with sin? Death. For as an Adam, all die. Proof you're all sinners is every last one of you is going to die sooner or later. We're hoping for later, right? But I don't care how much rice you, um, how much uh, rice, oh. how much, uh, uh, you know, vegetables you eat, you know, moderate fruits if you know the right ones and the fruit you're eating is like 10 times sweeter than God created it, by the way. They, anyways, whatever, who knows? All conspiracy theories. But I'm just saying, okay, all organic, taking your vitamins, exercise, get the right amount of sleep, air purifiers because we're all drinking toxins. I don't care if you're like that billionaire guy who's trying to find the key to living forever. That joker's going to die, man. You understand what I'm saying? 
I mean, what good does it do to put it off? I mean, really, come on. Some, after a certain point, let's just get it over with. You know what I mean? I mean, who wants, I mean, do, really, do you want to get old and decrepit and just be sitting there in pain and misery all the time? You know what you're all going to do sooner or later? You're all going to die. I was reading something recently that said, in spite of all of our medical advances, life expectancy has actually dropped a little bit recently. You know why? There's a law of sin and death. It's proof that you're a sinner. You can be born again as the day is long, man, as saved and walking in the Spirit of God as you possibly could be, living the most sanctified life you can, and you're still going to wrinkle, get gray, your eyes will eventually start giving out, you'll slowly but surely start wasting away. Because that body is sinful. That body is going into a grave and it's going to rot, period. It's a law. There's another law. Look at Romans 8, 7. There's the law of God. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it cannot be subject to the law of God. Look at Romans chapter 9, verse 31. There's a law of righteousness. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. You know what that is? That's dead religion without Jesus Christ. I'm so fed up with religion... I'm so fed up with the facade of it all. You can live, you know, right and holy and all the rest of that stuff. And God says, yeah, well, you've done it in your heart already. Go back to Romans chapter 7, verse 23. I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. Well, there's a law for you. Bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin. There's another law for you, which is in my members. So there's a law in your mind. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Keep your finger here in Romans. We're coming right back. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Here's a good one for our church right now. Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know what you're doing when you come in here with gift cards like that? She said that she had people contacting her uh, on her phone. She said, I recognize the face, but I didn't recognize the names. It's people from church telling me they're praying for me. You know what a blessing that was? That was a blessing in my heart. You bringing all this stuff in here for somebody that's been visiting for three months? Well, she's, she's your sister in Christ. You know what you're doing? You're bearing her burden. It's not much, Right? You ever feel like, man, I wish I could do more? My wife and I were talking about that this week, man. It's just like, man, we just wish we could do more. It's like, I guess the only other thing you can do is go to school and get a, law, a medical degree, and then you can do more. Like, I mean, it's terrible. But you know what the Lord does when you just kind of get up alongside somebody that's struggling, and you just say, hey, we're praying for you, and we love you. Hey, how you doing today? Lord, lay them on your heart, and you shoot a message. Hey, thinking about you. You all right? Just bearing their burden. And you know what that is? That's the law of Christ. You know what he came to do? He came to bear your burdens. He carried your cross. He took your sin upon himself. So the least you and I could do for each other is bear each other's burdens when you're going through a hard time. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them who weep. I got a new car. Praise the Lord. You know what most people do? Oh, another new car? Didn't you just have that other one like two years ago? You jealous little jerk. 
Hello. How about being happy for them? Another new dress? Years ago, I don't even remember who it was, but some lady said that to my wife. Another new dress? She's like, yeah, I found it at Salvation Army. She didn't make that up. She did. Because she goes to Salvation Army, and then she finds the red tag or green tag or whatever tag they got, and it's like, well, that was 25 cents. And she walks out with like five dresses, and she keeps going to where she finds them like with tags on them and stuff. Another new dress? You know what I told her? I said, stop telling them it's from Salvation Army. And then pick one of the like super expensive stores and tell them it's one of those. Just or whatever the tag is. Don't lie, but whatever the tag is. If it's like she, because she comes, this is a $200 dress, honey. I got this for five bucks. I'm like, well, praise Jesus, you know. I said, just tell them it's the $200 dress brand and walk away. Well, I can't do that. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Let them be jealous. Let them keep up. Let them go run up a credit card trying to keep up with you while you're over at Salvation Army finding, we'll just pray for more from Jesus, you know. <laughs> Rejoice with each other. Why can't you be happy for somebody else? Why you got to criticize? It ain't your life. Don't worry about it. Worry about your own life. And when they're crying, can't you cry with them? Can't you try to put yourself in their shoes? Maybe if you get a tender heart like that, God won't have to pulverize you to get you softened up enough to minister to other people. Back to Romans chapter 8. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. So that's how we know in verse number one, he's not saying you're going to lose your salvation. That condemnation is if you don't walk after the spirit of God, you're going to get judged by God. You're going to be wrong. If you follow your flesh at all, you'll be wrong. Your flesh will always lead you wrong, period. Verse three, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, the weakness of the law wasn't the law. The law says, thou shalt not. And the law is always right. But the flesh can't live up to it. The law says, thou shalt not, and the flesh says, do it. <laughs> the law says, thou shalt not, and the flesh said, that just got more fun because you told me I can't. Oh, you're going to tell me what to do, huh? Nobody's telling me what to do. Okay, miserable. Go ahead and train wreck your life. I want somebody to tell me what to do, especially if they know what they're talking about. Especially if you're talking about Almighty God that created mankind. He might have a little bit of a clue on how I should live my life in such a way that it bring me joy, bring him joy, and be productive and fruitful with my life. I mean, if he's God, you know, he's a God of new beginnings. One great thing about God, a God of new beginnings. You know that? Well, we are the God of new beginnings. Okay, well, why don't you let him tell you how to start over? I just made such a mess. I'm just okay, so fix it yourself. Since you figured it out so well, why don't you just go fix it yourself? Or just give to God what you got and let God fix it for you. He's got some things figured out. Your flesh can't do it. You understand that? Nobody's flesh can. Your preacher's flesh can't do it. It's just flesh. And it's weak. It's it, 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 it's 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 frail. So what did God do? God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. You see that? Not in sinful flesh. He was in flesh, but he was in the likeness of sinful flesh. Every word of God is pure. Don't you go messing with the Bible. You take that likeness out of there, and what do you got? A Savior that can't save you. 
Jesus Christ was tempted in every point like as you are, yet without sin. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Why? You couldn't beat it. I don't care what a tough guy you are. You can't beat sin. I don't care how bad you think you are. You're weak when it comes to sin. You fall apart, man. You know what Jesus Christ is? He's a champion over that one. He's the only one that took sin on and whooped it. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That's why we preached Sunday morning. It was God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ is God. You've got to have that connection or you don't have a Savior. He's not a God. He's not a created being. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh or you're on your way to hell. There's no two ways about it. Now watch this. Verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. How? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Maybe kind of figuring out why he said in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. I know we're not charismatics, we're not Pentecostals. I get that. You guys don't know it, but Brother Slavert was a Pentecostal preacher. We have like 300, 400 people in his church or something like that. You know what he says about it? It's fake. He was a Pentecostal pastor in South Africa. But, but with sound doctrine and prayer according to the Bible, God's doing stuff Pentecostal preachers can't do. We're not Pentecostal. But just because we're not Pentecostal, just because we're not charismatic, and by the way, we got a bunch of former charismatics in this church. Did you know that? They say all oh, charismatics never change. Well, these ones do. They're just, it, or either that or they're scared to death to get up and speak in tongues because they know I'm going to interpret and say they just offered to pay the addition themselves. That's the interpretation. <laughs> Write us a check, 550 right now. Thank you. Oh, but I forgot another 150 on top of that because of the fire suppression. Thank you. You know what? You know what? Just because they take it too far and get wacky with it doesn't mean I'm afraid of the Spirit of God. I think God can heal people if he chooses to. And I think sometimes he doesn't choose to. And that's hard for me. That's really hard for me. But I think God can do that. So we ask him. We don't think we got some kind of a divine connection to the spirit where we can go ahead and enforce miracles on other people. That's a bunch of hogwash. I don't understand people that are obsessed with speaking in tongues but can't control the tongue they got but they claim they're filled with the spirit. Oh, I'm filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues in church and then you get out of church and you're taking God's name in vain and you're cussing and you're living like the devil but you claim you're filled with the Spirit when you get in church. You're a fraud. God don't fellowship with a man who's got sin in his heart. If you're really full of the Spirit of God, you won't speak in tongues. You'll bridle the one you have. Ain't that James chapter 3? You can control that tongue. You can control everything. I'm not afraid of the God's Spirit. I'm commanded to be filled with it. And if I follow God's Spirit, this is verse 4, if I follow God's Spirit, I will never step out on my wife. If I follow God's Spirit, I will not lie to you. Some of you little liars need to quit lying. 
You, have, you need more character than that. If dad and mom catch you, don't you start immediately trying to panic and lie your way out of it. And mom and dad, you need to wake up and stop sleeping on the job if you catch them lying to you when you catch them. Trying to manipulate the thing out of it and go back and forth with them and have nice little debates and little conversations about it and get them to tell the truth. No, now you, okay, you just adding on, honey. You just, I, I busted you and now you're lying to me. You know what? I always, a little lie was worse than what you were doing. Then you, got, then you got really professional liars. The professional liars are deceitful. Well, I never said that. Yeah, but you led me to believe that. You manipulated me. I think that's another level of lying. I had somebody deceiving me for years and found out the truth, and I said, you lied to me. So oh, I never lied to you. I said, did you lead me to believe this, this, and that? No comment. So you deceived me. Okay. You win. You didn't lie to me. No problem. I can't stand that. But you know what I find? He let God be true, but every man... Oops. Maybe thieves think everybody's stealing from them because they're a thief. Maybe cheaters think everybody's cheating because they're a cheater. Maybe liars think everybody's lying because they're a liar. Folks, you realize how we all fall short of that law? That's why we need to back off on each other. And you need to focus on yourself following God's spirit because I've never lied to one human being ever in my life under the influence and control of God's spirit. I have never lost my temper under the influence and control of God's spirit. I have never said one mean thing to anybody under the influence and control of God's spirit. Ever. Say, have you done all those things? That's between me and God. It's not confession booth. But I'll guarantee you if I've done anything wrong, it was never God leading me to do it. You know what you need? You need the filling of God's Holy Spirit in your life. Let me just give you marriage counseling, all right? You ready? Get filled with the Spirit. There you go. (laughs) Too simplistic, preacher. I know, you'd rather go pay a psychologist hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to tell you it's your mom's fault and your dad's fault and your cat got run over when you were a little kid and your dog died and it's everybody else's fault everywhere you go. And everything you say and do and feel is legitimate because you're the victim. Or we can just say, well, how about the Spirit of God? Does he bring comfort? Does he bring healing? Does he bring joy? Does he bring forgiveness? Why aren't you filled with God's Spirit? You're commanded to. I don't know how. The Bible shows you how. Look at verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Do you see where that battle is, folks? Do you know why some Christians are carnal? Because that's what they're, where their mind's at. You know why some Christians are spiritual? I actually know some really good Christians. I know some Christians I believe are genuinely the real deal. I think they live it Monday through Saturday and Sunday, not just Sunday. I mean, I'm pretty impressed with a Christian that doesn't even know somebody but hears about their plight and gets up in the middle of the night to pray for them. 
Not to me. I mean, that, that was not somebody's flesh. I mean, that's not like, oh, I know what I want to do. I want to wake myself up because I care about somebody else I've never met before. I mean, if you've been around for 60-something years, you've heard and seen all kinds of sad stories. That's, that's kind of impressive to me. I know some good Christians. I know some genuinely real Christians. How do you get there? You know what the devil's after? Your mind. You know what that little device in your hand is? It's meant to distract and obsess your mind. That's the trick. Well, I'm not looking at bad stuff. Okay, but did you look at the Word of God at all? That thing is wired to addict you to it. I used to preach too much against video games because then some of you are like, wow, that's the only thing I do, and I guess I'm a sinner to play a video game now, and so I backed off on it. Have you noticed? Because I don't have a verse that says, thou shalt not play video games. And I think it's okay for some of you, but, but look, you better make sure that thing's not taking you over. I will not be brought under the power of any to the point where you haven't read your Bible or prayed today, but you spent three hours on your video game. Shame on you. You haven't read your Bible or prayed today, but you've checked every news app out there, and you've been on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all the rest of that stuff. You're minding the wrong stuff. And the devil's trick is to get your mind obsessed with earthly and physical things to the point where there's no mind of Christ at all. Now, hang on a second. You're all human. Okay? I, I don't live in a monastery. Do you, do you understand that? you understand what I'm saying? 24-7, it's like Pastor Reagan is not 24-7 walking around in a suit jacket with a tie. I don't pray 20 hours a day. I know some people think that, like, wow, I've bumped into people at the store, and they, like, don't even recognize me because I'm not in a suit. I realize that you have to live your life. I'm not trying to overburden you with this false spirituality. What I'm saying is if you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with your walk with Jesus Christ, maybe you need to ask yourself where your mind is all the time. I think it's great that some of you guys go to the gym. I think some of you guys should start going to the gym. Amen. It's better than video games. I think it's great that some of you guys like to hunt. I shot my first deer this year. I kind of felt bad. <laughs> Getting old, I guess. I mean, I still got it and we're still going to eat it, but you know what I'm saying? I think it's great. I think it's great you got some good, clean hobbies. It's not a sin for you to enjoy some of those things. I'm talking about if you struggle with the Spirit of God, if you struggle with living right, maybe you should put a little more of your mind into that. All the things of this world, listen, all of it, doesn't make any point, any difference 100 years from now. 50 years from now, nobody will probably even be talking about me. I mean, if I get to the three score and 10, I mean, that, what's that give me, 24 more years? I know that's young nowadays, right? 50 years from now, nobody's even, literally, if, if 10 people even mention my name once a week, I did really good. You understand what I'm saying? The things of this world are not as important as you think they are. It's the things of God that matter. Now look at the next verse. <coughs> For to be carnally minded, that's the mind after the flesh, is what? But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and what? Huh. Anybody notice that uh, Christians nowadays don't have any peace at all? You're full of stress. 
full of anxiety, full of worry. Well, so then the psychologists are going to come in and say, you know, well, you need breathing techniques. Mrs. Slabbert said they came in and she immediately felt like her blood pressure went up. They said, what are you doing to cope? And she said, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm praying. And they said, well, you need to try to probably do some breathing techniques. And she was getting frustrated with the person sitting there. She was like, she said, see, I can see it's already working. And she told my wife, she said, I was just breathing heavy because I was so frustrated. I wanted her to leave. I said, yes, it's working. Please leave. <laughs> Listen, I, I've never been like, you should never see a psychologist. I do believe some people may need some help. I believe most people don't. I believe most Christians need the Spirit of God. Is that fair? Psychology is the study of the soul, and somebody put a soul in you, don't you think he knows how to heal it? So before you run to the psychologists that don't believe in God, why don't you go to the Lord first and ask him for the help that only he can give? It's about your mind. Let me, uh, let me show you some, some uh, passages of Scripture on your mind, and then we'll stop for tonight. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. You know, you know why breathing techniques work? Anybody know why they work? Because, I mean, come on, we're not like such rabid Bible believers that we don't think that breathing techniques work. They do work. You know why? You have a nervous system. And so when you're all like uptight and wound up, they used to teach us this when we're getting ready to compete in jiu-jitsu. Breathe. In the middle of a fight, you've got to breathe. You'll start holding your breath. It's a natural reaction. So when you breathe, it, you, you can loosen up and relax. Isn't that reducing your anxiety? It's called oxygen. <laughs> That's not a spiritual solution to your problem. It just temporarily, for a moment, relieved a little bit of pressure because you're a human being with a nervous system. So there's some... Oh, it worked. Okay, but did it solve your spiritual problem? Is it a fix for the problem? Or was it this temporary little patch that anybody could tell you? Do you know why mind over matter? Mind over matter. See it and believe it. You know why to some extent that actually works? To some extent. Because I can see and believe all I want that if I take my forehead and just slam it down on this, it's going to go straight through. It's not going to happen. You understand what I'm saying? If you really believe that, come on up here. We'll have Jew exhibit it for us. But to some extent, like when you put your mind to it, you can do it. Well, yeah, maybe to an extent, because sometimes if you, I mean, taught something else we were taught in jiu-jitsu, if you go out there like, oh, this guy's really strong, oh, no, like, you're already beating yourself up in your head, you already undermine, you set yourself up to lose. It's this tiny little piece of truth that makes people think that was the answer. Do you see the trick? 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Meditate. Free your mind. Empty your mind. Why? So I can sweep and garnish the house and that devil can go get seven more worse than him and come back and inhabit me? Maybe. Why don't, you, why don't you take your cares to God 
and unload your burden on Him and find a feedback from God that He cares for you and a peace, a life and peace that begins to flood your soul in the middle of your problem. How about that? Look at another one. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. To be spiritually minded is what we're talking about is life and peace, right? Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 6. Be careful. These archaic English words. You need a new Bible to update that for you. Careful is full of care. You're stressed. You're worried. You're anxious. You've got lots of anxiety. You're worrying about everything. Hey, listen, some of you are like, oh, I'm not like that. You ain't been around long enough. Or you just haven't been hit by the right thing yet. But if you haven't noticed, as folks get older, they get more and more anxious. They get more and more worried. A traumatic event or two or three in your life will start making you feel like the boogeyman is around every corner. And before you know it, you ain't got no peace. You ain't got no joy. You ain't got no comfort. You're getting sick of being alive. You're depressed. Folks, that ain't the spirit of God. And yeah, life is tough and things happen. That can't be explained. Some spiritual guy can't walk up to you in Romans 8.28 yet, which we'll get to in a little bit. Great verse, a great passage of scripture. What do you do with that stuff? Well, you're supposed to be careful, full of care for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. What happens? What happens when you do that? And the peace of God, to be spiritually minded is what? Life and and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That there's a spiritual interaction that God will do if you'll take your problems to Him and get on your face and just tell Him. I don't know how to pray. Just tell Him. He's God. He doesn't fall for the... Our Father, Thou art God, eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, Almighty Father. I thank Thee for Thy presence. <coughs> Why is it all these Bible-correcting preachers that tell you the King James Bible is too hard to understand get in their pulpits and start praying and use archaic King James Bible these and thous? You're a fraud on every level, man. You can't be real with me in real life and just pray so I know how to pray. Oh, I can pray like preacher. There ain't nothing fancy about that. That's easy. And then build my faith in the Word of God. Instead, you're trying to build my faith in how smart you are and undermine my faith in God. You're a fraud, bro. Don't, when you guys pray, I'm calling you guys to pray. If you start getting all fancy, I'm not calling on you anymore until you grow up. And that doesn't mean you're irreverent and disrespectful and acting like a punk either. You treat it like that, I ain't calling on you till you grow up. Just talk to God. Just, just tell Him what's bothering you. Because you guess what? You know what? Listen, kids. God cares about your little problems. 
if they're not little to you. You don't have to have big adult problems for God to care. He cares. And adults, you live long enough and you're like, well, that stuff doesn't really matter to God in the grand scheme of things. It's important to me, but not Him. Where did you find that in the Bible? You realize that there's peace that passeth understanding? So you can't dissect it. You can't Google it. You can't look it up. You can't research it. You can't figure it out. It's just something you experience in an interaction between you and God because you're not carnally minded. You're spiritually minded. And you're getting a hold of God and you're saying, God, I don't know what to do with all this, but I'm giving it to you. And he says, I'll show up and I'll minister to you. Got a blessing? Look at Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report. That's why I don't like people that always want to talk about bad news constantly. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. The power of positive thinking. Ain't that a trip? Meditate. Free your mind. And people buy into that stuff. Did you know that? Did you guys know that there's a huge rise of women specifically getting into the occult right now in this country? Crystals and tarot cards and all the rest of that stuff. Women tying into that stuff and they're being taught to free your mind and relieve yourself of anxiety and just love. And it's as demonic as hell. And then they experience this little short-term breathing techniques that work and then my anxiety is gone. And the fix is never really there. They're giving you the pill that'll help take care of the blood pressure and give you 87 other negative side effects, giving you cancer and arms growing out your forehead and you got horns all of a sudden. You wake up in the morning with warts all over your face. You know, oh, that's one of the symptoms of the medications they're giving you. You want to take all that stuff, you take it. I'm going to the source. You know what the source is? It's the one that created me. It's the one that loves me so much he sent his son to do what I can't do, which is beat the law and live perfect and put my sin in hell and rise again the third day. And then he put his spirit in me and he said, now if you listen to that spirit and follow that spirit, you'll be all right. And I'll take care of you. Ain't that a blessing? You got time for one more verse? Okay, let's go over to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Here's one of my favorite verses and I'll be, I'll, uh, I'll be honest with you. I memorized this verse. Um, back when I all of a sudden got hit with serious anxiety. I don't like admitting that. I, I don't like admitting it at all. Because I've always prided myself in having a tough mind. Really. Like seriously. Like I want my mind to be rock hard, boy. I don't ever want to crack. You, I want to I be able to stand there in the face of death and just have a strong mind. And I used to make fun of people that had anxiety. I didn't understand them. I thought it was weakness until I got hit with it. And I remember it was God. I've told you before, so forgive me. But I remember it was God. It was the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep. Got up, went in the front room in the old house, and just the room started closing in on me, man. I was like, I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my stinking mind. What's going on? I was just freaking out. I ran outside looking up at the stars and started breathing techniques like... Oh, God, what's going on? God, please. And you know what he did? He brought right to my mind that person that day that I had criticized because I heard they had anxiety, crippling anxiety. And I would criticized them that day. 
And he brought that person's name up in my mind and I got on my knees and asked God to forgive me and said, please don't give me that. And I memorized this verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. Whoop, that's the wrong one. 1 7. 2 Timothy 1 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Can I tell you what the law of your mind will do? The law of your human mind will give you fear. Things in this life do not always make sense. I've never told you they do. This world is full of fear. That news is trying to sell you fear. Scary movies sell, folks. Why do people watch that stuff? Something about your flesh likes it. Let's watch a scary movie. <laughs> You're scared. Why, why are you liking that? <laughs> it's your flesh. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Watch it. Spirit of power doesn't make you a hard, mean, nasty person. And of love. And of a what? A sound mind. Christians are not crazy people. Don't give me that stuff. I, I don't believe that for a second. I think the Spirit of God helps you think right and gives you a sound mind and helps you. All right, we'll stop there for tonight. Pick it up here next week. Let's pray.